Those of you who are staying in the service, please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Now some of y'all been up early this morning cooking. Some of y'all started cooking last night. And we praise the Lord for you. But, but Cody Taylor, if you go to sleep in my message this morning, I'm going to come get you, son. Hey, I, I, I don't care how fast you race that car. I heard you won one. Amen. Amen. Oh, no. You know, I, I was waiting when I said, you finally won one. I was waiting for Ron to say, it's about time. <laughs> oh, did you? You helped him crash? <laughs> Amen. Oh, me. Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 53. Church, I want to tell you a little secret. Uh, just about every night, every single night, at some point, I will look over at my beautiful wife of almost 29 years, and I will ask her this question. Do you love me? Don't I? Every night I ask her, I'll say, do you love me? Now, I'm asking this question for many reasons. The first is because I love hearing the answer that she, and she always says, yes, I love you. And then sometimes followed by this, she says, why are you asking me that? Another reason I ask is because I really want to know that she loves me. Even though I ask the question every single night, I want to always know that this woman sitting on my couch on, in, in the house that we live in, she loves me. The third reason I ask the question is so I can ask the second question. I'll ask, do you love me? And then you know what I ask next? How much do you love me? Now, her typical response is bunches and bunches and bunches. Do y'all do that silly thing too? Do y'all do that? She says bunches and bunches and bunches. Church, I, I want to hear those words. I want to know how much my wife, my woman, my girl loves me. We, we all need to feel loved, don't we? Even some of those of us who are hard to, to be loved. We, we want to feel loved. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever considered just how much God loves mankind? How much he loves the human race? Just how much he loves people in this world? Have you ever considered just how much God loves you? Have you ever considered? Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed? What have we heard? And who has the arm of the Lord revealed, been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. 
He had no form or splendor that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew that sickness, what, what sickness was. He was like one the people turned away from. He was despised and was like, and, and, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our, our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgression, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for, for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. Church, we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a, a, a sheep silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of the oppression and judgment, and who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They, they, they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence and had not smoke, spoken deceitfully. Listen to this. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him and he made him sick and it pleased the Lord to crush him and made him sick let's go to the Lord in prayer a father again we we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins Lord I pray right now that you would please just calm us you would wake us and you would shake us. God, you would help us to be attentive to your word. We pray that you would bless the reading of your word, but we pray, Lord, that you would bless the message because it's your message, not mine. Help us this morning to understand what this message proclaims. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. The title of this morning's message is The Depths of God's Love. The depths of God's love. Now, I told you in my introduction, I, I want to hear my wife tell me she loves me and how much she loves me all, all the time because I, I want to feel that love. But, but church, have you ever realized that the vast majority of people in this world, they, they don't feel God's love? They don't understand God's love? If Christ were to come today, and he's coming soon, if Christ were to come today, according to statistics, almost 7 billion people will die and go to hell. Brother Kyle, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. And God loves us so much that he, he gave us this Bible 
We don't have to hide from the Bible. We don't have to hide our Bible. We can freely read our Bible, understand it. We have a lifetime to pick up our Bible, to read it, understand it, and apply it to our life. A lifetime. It doesn't matter how short a period of lifetime that was or how long your life is. You have a lifetime to pick it up and understand it. It's amazing to me how how deep the the complexities of of man are, that they'll, they'll study and study and study for their field of study, but they won't pick up the only book that's going to give them eternal life and try to understand it. Brother Kyle, it's hard to understand. I nearly dropped out of high school, and I understand it. You understand what you want to understand. Amen? God gave us these 66 love letters from him to us that we might have a life for him. The title of this morning's message, again, is The Depths of God's Love. The Depths of God's Love. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you and he cares for you and he constantly reaches out to you because of this love? Do you understand how much God loves you? As we look at Isaiah 53, we can see the totality of how much God loves us. And it's amazing. Church, what does our scripture tell us this morning? Our scripture tells us of a time. It tells us of a time. What we're hearing from our scripture this morning was written by the Jewish prophet Isaiah between 740 and 700 B.C. Let that sink in. This, This was written 740 to 700 B.C. This is not someone who is writing of their experiences of Christ as an afterthought. He's not writing that. Understand, this is a man who was called by God to do a seemingly impossible task of warning the Hebrew children that they were removing themselves from God. His writing, his prophecies were a warning to the people, his people, to get back on track. Church 7 Hundred years before Jesus Christ would step foot on this earth. And what would take place on Holy Week is perfectly prophesied and preserved in Hebrew writing for the world to see. 700 years, Miss Teresa, before Jesus would step on this earth. 700. Why do you think God did this? Why why do you think that God would would send the prophet Isaiah to preach such such a message 700 years before his son came? Why? Why, Brandon? Why would God do this? Because he loves us. Because God loves us. People can overlook so many things, but this was prophesied, Billy, 700 years before Jesus came. Did you see how perfect it it relates to what's taking place in the New Testament? Listen, Jesus is concealed all throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament. He is concealed. In the New Testament, He is revealed. Why? Because God loves us. God loves us so, so very much, Poppy. God loves us. But that's not the only thing that we see in Isaiah 53. This time, 
is not the only thing we see in Isaiah 53. Oh, we see so much more. Church, God has always loved us. Go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 where it says, In the beginning, God. God. Do you realize at that very point, in the beginning, God, which is in the Pentateuch, the law. Do you understand that, that man was not at this time? In the beginning was God. And God wanted to have a relationship with mankind. So he created mankind. God loves us so much that he created us. Brother Kyle, that doesn't make sense to me. He was fine on his own. He didn't have, I mean, we've caused him all kinds of problems. You're right. I don't understand it. I do not understand the depths of God's love, but I'm preaching this morning on the depths of God's love. God's love is immeasurable for us, and I don't understand it because I've never given him a reason to love me the way he does. Never. It gets better, though. Listen, as we look at our scriptures this morning, I'm not sure what it is that you see, but what I see is the greatest expression of love God could have given us to the human race. Listen to what Bible scholar Warren Wiersbe says about Isaiah 53. He says this, Isaiah 53, this Old Testament scripture, describes the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the death and the burial, the resurrection and the exaltation of the Lord. The theme that ties this chapter together is the innocent servant died in place of the guilty. The innocent servant died in place of the guilty. This goes all the way back to Levitical laws. The, the innocent spotless lamb, Passover lamb, died for the sins of the people. Do y'all see that, church? Do, do you see that? Listen, when theologians speak about the vicarious atonement, that is what they mean. We cannot explain everything about the cross. We can't. We can't explain everything about the cross. But this much seems clear. Jesus took the place of the guilty sinners and paid the price for their salvation. Isaiah wrote this again, church, over seven hundred years before Jesus stepped foot on this earth. Why? Why? Why, Melissa? Because God's love for us is immeasurable. He wanted us to know. He wanted us to see. He wanted it recorded. He wanted the people to know. He's always wanted to know. God has never tried to hide from us. And I'll get to that point here again in a minute. Church, Isaiah starts off the 53rd chapter with two questions. He says, who has believed and who has this been revealed to? Who has believed and who has this been revealed to? The answer to those questions are simple. Few have believed. Church, few have believed. Few have believed. And it's been revealed for all the world to see and to know. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, God reveals himself through his creation. Even the invisible things are clearly seen that man is without excuse. We're out without excuse. You will not be able to stand before Jesus Christ on your death and say, I did not know. Because all creation screams out to God. All creation screams out. To God, that God is alive, church. God has never, nor will ever, try to hide himself 
from his creation. Do you know why? Because he loves us. How could you love somebody so much and try to hide yourself? A couple weekends ago, my granddaughter came uh, to Savannah, and she's in that phase that everybody goes through. Some of y'all still in that phase, and it's okay. She's in the phase where she loves to play hide and seek. She loves it. Now, th this is funny. This, this is funny. She'll go and hide, and we'll count. And, and I like to play with her. I'll say one, two, ten, and she'll say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. So you'll have to start over. One, two, and we have to count to 20, 25 while she's hiding. And you'll go looking, looking through the house. And, I mean, y'all know where she is just about every time. But when you walk into the room where she's at, she, she hollers. <laughs> she can't hide. <coughs> she's a terrible hider. She would not win a hide-and-seek competition, I'm telling y'all. But when you go hide, she'll start counting. One, two, she'll get all the way through 15, and then she'll, you know, jump to 18, 20. And then she'll come looking for you. Now, I, I was, the, you know, a, a hide-and-go-seek champion. And I don't care how, what age you are, I'm not going to cheat. And I'm not going to cheat you. If you win, you're going to win honestly. Isn't that right, Alex? I don't care. You're three years old. I don't care. Listen, you're going to find me. <laughs> find me. You ain't going to find me. And she'll go through the house. And then she'll go back to her mother because she can't find me. Kevin, she ain't going to find me. I hide in the closet behind the clothes. In the bathtub with the curtain pulled. I mean, I'm not going to tell you the good places. Those are just, the, you know. And, and her mama will have to come and help find. Listen, but eventually, if she wouldn't, I'd come out. I'd come out. What, what kind of person who says they love you wouldn't come out at some point and reveal themselves to you. Well, what kind of person? God has never tried to hide from us. His creation screams out to us every single day, church. Listen to what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus in verse 3. He says this, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one, one people turned away from. He was despised and we did not value him. Church, we have this idea in our head that, of what Jesus looked like. Artists throughout the ages have painted an image uh, that was in their head and, and painters of the Western world have painted their version of what seems like a, a white Jesus. The only visual that Scripture gives us on, on what Jesus looks like is seen in Revelation 4.3, which says this, The one seated on the throne looked like jasper and carnelian stone, which is like a, a brown or a tan, a Middle Eastern or a Hebrew-looking person. Well, he was Jewish. He was Hebrew. That makes sense, right? Warren Wiersbe says this about Isaiah 53.3. Jesus was born in poverty in Bethlehem and grew up in a carpenter shop in despised Nazareth. 
Because of his words and his works, Jesus attracted great crowds. But nothing, nothing about his appearance made him any different from any other Jewish man. That's what Scripture says. We make Jesus, uh, pictures of Jesus, I mean, he's just a glow, you know, a radiance, a light shining down on him. We, we make this beautiful picture of Jesus, but that's not what Scripture says at all. While Wiersbe continues by saying this, while few people deliberately try to be unattractive, modern society has made a religion out of physical beauty. It is good to remember that Jesus succeeded without this beauty. His desire was to be all man and all God so that all man could relate to him. Why? Why did Jesus do this? Because he loved us. Because he loved us. Cody, you ought to be able to relate to this son more, I mean, probably more than anybody in here. You and Donald Beasley. God didn't make himself look good like me. He made himself look average or ugly like Cody and Donald. I mean, he, he did that. Why? Because he didn't want to elevate himself above anybody else. I mean, it's hard to look good all the time, isn't it, Kevin? I mean, I know you may look at him. Look at that hair, baby. I, mean, I know. It, it's hard for us to look good all the time. But Jesus was like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm average. I'm fine with that. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. He loves us that much. I mean, you think that's so, that's so small. Exactly. I mean, he left no detail out to show us how much he loves us. But it gets better. It gets better, church. I mean, it gets better. Isaiah then goes into great detail as to what the Messiah would do because of his love for the people of this world in verses 4 and 5. Listen to verse 4 and 5. He says, Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains. And we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. Listen, listen. But he was pierced because of our transgression, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed because of his wounds. We went astray like sheep. We all turned to our own way. And the Lord was punished, has punished him for the iniquity of, all, of us all. Church, why in the world would anyone do such a thing as this? Why, why would he go through this punishment? Y'all have read, y'all have read in the New Testament what Jesus went through. Scripture says that he was beaten so bad he was unrecognizable. Unrecognizable on that cross. Why, why would somebody do such a thing as this? Why, why would they accept such pain and suffering? Because of love. Because of love. I've told y'all, but this relates this morning, so I'm going to tell you again. There's only been two times in my life where I can, I can honestly say, I can honestly say, Butch, this. I have offered my pain and suffering for those who were, pain, who were in pain and suffering. When Alex was a child and he fell on that toy and it went in the orbit of his eye and we didn't know what was going to happen, they, they, they were getting ready to cut him. 
from one temple to the other, remove his skull, go under his brain and fix the orbit of his eye. They said, we don't know how long the surgery is going to take because, quite honestly, we've never done this surgery before. This is everything we're doing. We, we're, you know, it's hands-on. We've never done it before. He was a case study at the, the doctor's office, the, the surgeon who, who did his surgery. I'll never forget, my Sunday school teacher came, and he, he lovingly wanted to take me just to get my mind off it. He wanted to take me to, to breakfast just to, you know, he and I could talk and we could pray together, and, and, and we did. But in this time frame, the doctors came and took Alex to surgery. And I came back to an empty room. His bed was gone. My baby was gone. And the only thing I knew to do was get down on my knees and say, God, listen, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to do I don't know how to go through this. Lord, listen, put it on me. Let him live. I'll die. Let him live. The second time was just last year when Winnie, they said Winnie had a tumor behind her eye. And I love my children, but I, any of y'all who have grandchildren, you know that, that grandchildren love it. Man, that's, that's some good stuff. That, that, you know, sitting on granddaddy's lap and, and loving on you and you, you know, playing Rocky Horse and, and all that stuff and hide and seek. I mean, that's just some kind of love. I mean, you, you cheap when it's your kids. Like, that's enough. You, you don't need anything else. When it's the grandkids and the granddaddies, can I? Yes, let's go. Come on, baby. Don't, yeah. I mean, it's something different with that kind of love. And, and when they told us that she might have a tumor, a cancerous tumor behind her eyes, I did the same thing with her as I did with Alex only two times in my life. I got down and I said, God, give it to me. Give it to me. Lord Jesus, I will praise you. If, you will, if there's a tumor, you'll give it to me. And church, listen, tomorrow morning, if I wake up with a headache in my head and my eye starts bulging out and I can't see anymore and I, can't, and, and, and I go to the doctor and they say, you've got a cancerous tumor behind your right eye. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get sad. I'm going to praise God because he did for me what I wanted him to do. What is that? That's a love I can't explain, church. I can't explain, I can't understand, and I can't tell you why or what motivated me to ask God to do that. Because it's not natural. Our bodies and our minds, we want to continue on and live. But two times I said, God, take it. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Church, what we just read in our scripture is an expression of a father's love for his children. I don't know if, if I would be willing to die for someone other than, than my wife or my children. I've never been put in that place. But Jesus was willing and he did suffer and die for each and every one of us. He would have died if it would have only been you. Brother Kyle, can you explain that to me? <laughs> no, I can't. Jesse, he would have died if it would have only been you. Tashonda, he would have died if it would have only been you. Dan, if it would have only been you. He would have died if it would have only been you. Church, yet many of you, although Jesus died for you, you will not live for him. Can you explain that? How can you accept the love of somebody who did so much for you, yet you will not live for him? Listen, we ought to be willing, we ought to be able, we ought to be ready, we ought to, to look forward, we ought to wake our eyes every single morning, shake our heads every morning, wash our face every morning, and say, God, this life I live, I live for you because of what you did for me. 
How, how can we accept the love of God for what he's done so much and not want to live for him? That's unbelievable love. That's a depth of love that I can't explain. But church, there's something else I can't explain. We see another example of this love of God in verses 7 and 8. Look at verse 7 and 8. Miss Desi, you're going to like this. Our scripture this morning said, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Any of y'all ever been oppressed or afflicted and not opened your mouth? Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. You oppress and afflict me or oppress and afflict somebody I love? I'm going to open my mouth. I'm probably going to open my hand, too. Scripture says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a, a sheep silent before its shears, he did not open his mouth. This is like the second or third time, Sonia, that he's, Isaiah is telling us 700 years prior to Jesus coming that he's going to stand before them and not open his mouth. Listen, verse 8, it says, He was taken away because of the oppression and judgment as was considered and who considered his fate. For he was cut down from the land of the living. He was struck down because of my people's rebellion. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah spoke these words. What we are seeing, church, is Jesus standing silent when he was totally innocent of all charges. There's several important and just, I mean, socially scrambling cases that are taking place in our nation. Those who are being accused, do you see any of them standing silent? Oh, no. Yet we see this morning, Jesus is innocent of all charges, and he's standing silent. Church, do you understand that he could have spoken in defense of himself and been released that very day according to the law that was trying to convict him? According to Jewish law, Jesus could have spoken just a few words, just a few words, Dan, and by the law that was trying to convict him, he would have been released like that. Undisputed. Easily, easily, according to Jesus' law. You might be asking yourself, Brother Kyle, I, what are you talking about here? If he was innocent, he should have spoken up, and they would have released him. Listen, listen to me here for a second. Jesus was arrested at night. Jewish law prohibited all criminal proceedings at night. All he had to do was say, look, guys, y'all arrested me at night. Y'all got to let me go, according to your law. Oh, that's pretty good. Show me another one. Here's another one. Jesus was privately questioned by Annas, the high priest, without the grand Sanhedrin present. Jewish law stated that an accused man was never subjected to private examination or secret examination. Guess what? Jesus was. Is that, man, that's unbelievable. Is there any more? Oh, yeah, listen. Proceedings of the Sanhedrin were against Jewish law because they were conducted at night and before the morning sacrifice. Listen to this. The indictment was illegal. How was it illegal? The Sanhedrin or the judge thereon could not and did not originate charges against Jesus. They never charged him. The only prosecutors known to Hebrew criminal jurisprudence were the witnesses themselves, and they were lying. Kylie, brother Kyle, that's, that's unbelievable. Listen, well, if you think that's unbelievable, there's more. 
Listen, the, the trial was illegal because the priest rent his clothes, which was against Jewish law. Those imposing a verdict must be impartial and without emotion. They rent their clothes. Number six, the verdict itself was illegal because it was a unanimous vote for death, which was again against Jewish law. According to Jewish law, one person must always and forever vote not guilty during the death penalty or it could be, before it could be imposed. It could not be a unanimous vote. Golly, that's crazy, Brother Kyle. Here's another one. The conviction and sentence were based upon an unverified confession of Jesus. There was not a reliable witness. Here's another one. The trial itself was illegal because every one of the judges were disqualified. Jew, Jewish law clearly stated that no man, no man known to have enmity for an accused person was permitted to sit as a judge. This whole ordeal was permitted against Jesus by those who were, were, were now judging him. Just about done. Listen. The trial again was illegal. Because it was conducted and completed in one day. It was conducted and completed in just one day. According to Jewish law, if a sentence of death is pronounced, the trial cannot conclude or a sentence given until the next day. Here's the last one. The total proceedings were all illegal according to Jewish law. Court must not be held on the Sabbath or on a holy day, nor on the eve of a Sabbath or the holy day. Church, Jesus could have freed himself using the very law against his accusers, yet he stood silent. Our scripture says he stood silent. Stand, he could have been released at any time using the law that was trying to prosecute him. Tashonda, why didn't he? Corey, why didn't he? Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. Did Jesus know he was innocent? Oh, absolutely. Could he have freed himself? Yeah. Why didn't he? He knew what he had to do. And he was willing to do what he had to do. He sat there silent because he loved us. Because he loves us, church. Verse 9 that we see in our scripture, again, is a 700-year-old prophecy that is fulfilled to the letter. Look, look at verse 9. Verse 9 said, they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Y'all saw that, right? 700 years, Brother Frank Morgan, over 700 years before Jesus stepped foot on this earth, Isaiah, the prophet of God, spoke these words about the Messiah. In Matthew 25, 57, Mark 15, 20, and 23, Luke 23 through 26 through 33, and John 19, 16, and 17, this prophecy is revealed. 
It takes place. Look, look, look with me real quick at, at, at Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, 57 says this. It says, When it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph came, who he himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Did you see that? Set down 700 years before Jesus came. He said, oh, by the way, there's going to be a rich man come, and they're going to bury him amongst the wicked. Ricky Tyre, did you see that? Then in Matthew, it talks about this rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, who, who, who had a hewn-out tomb of his own, and he put Jesus in this tomb amongst the other Jews and Gentiles in this cemetery. He was buried amongst the wicked. God left no detail out. Church, listen to me. Listen. Understand this. Do, do you see what's taking place here right now, church? This is personal. This scripture that I just read in, in Isaiah 53, 9, this is very personal, very personal. God, church, allowed his innocent son to be buried by a rich man among the wicked for the sake of the prophecy being fulfilled. That, that no one could ever doubt that Jesus was, is, and forever be, will be the one and only true Son of God. Church, listen to me. If this little prophecy would not have been fulfilled, there could be reasonable doubt. But it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled. So there won't be any doubt. Do you understand that? Jesus, God allowed prophecy to take place, he allowed Jesus to fulfill that prophecy so no one could ever doubt that Jesus was and is and always will be the true Son of God. That was just one prophecy. Look at all the others. You see them? God allowed prophecy to take place that man would be without excuse. They were looking for their Messiah. And when the prophecy took place and was fulfilled, Man still denied Jesus as God. Listen to this. Prophecy that he would be born of the seed of a woman. Genesis 3.15. Fulfilled Luke 2, 5 through 7. Amen. He would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7.14. Fulfilled Luke 1, 26, 35. That his family line would be through the seed of Jesse. Isaiah 11, 1. It was fulfilled in Luke 3, 23. That he'd come from the house of King David. Jeremiah 23, 23, 5. It was fulfilled in Luke 3, 23. That he would be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. Micah, it was, it was prophesied in Micah 5, 2. It was fulfilled in Matthew 1, 3. Matthew 6. Matthew 16 and 23 through uh, 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 three through six. Here's just one more that he presented. He was presented with gifts that was prophesied in, in Psalm chapter seventy-two, ten, and it was fulfilled in Matthew two, eleven, and Matthew eleven. Why did God go to such lengths that man would be without excuse? That he would perfectly see the prophecy. He would perfectly see that Jesus fulfilled that prophecy because he loves us. He loves us that much. He loved us that much that no stone was left unturned. If there's a stone turned over, we turned it. If there's a door shut, we shut it. If it's an eye that's closed, we close those eyes. God didn't close those eyes. 
Church, the very last thing that I want you to see this morning will without a doubt show you the depths of God's love for all mankind. Now, I'm going to tell you up front that I don't understand this kind of love. I don't. And I certainly do not have the ability to demonstrate this kind of love. Look at verse, verse 10. Isaiah 53.10 says this. And again, this, this was written 740 to 700 years before Christ stepped on this earth. It said, yet God was pleased to crush him. And he made him sick. God was pleased? God was pleased? Church, God not only allowed his son to be murdered, by God having all power, by God having the power to stop his son's death, he himself killed his own son. God allowed his son to die as a sacrificial Levitical offering to pay the sin debt of all men once and for all. They wouldn't have to go back to the temple year after year after year with a spotless lamb because the spotless lamb died for all of mankind. That church, that church is how much God loves each and every one of you. I can't, I can't, I can't demonstrate that love. I can't sacrifice my son that you might live. I can't. I can't do it. I might want to do it at times, but I can't do it. I can't do that. What kind of father would do that? One that loves every person in this world. I can't understand it. Church, when God looked down and saw his son bearing the sin of the world, he did not see his son. He saw instead the sin that he was bearing. And it was an awful moment. The father turned away from his son, not in anger at his son. No, he loved his son as much at that moment as he ever had in all of his life. He turned away, he turned away in anger over all the sin of the world that sent his son to the cross. He turned away in sorrow and deepest pain when he saw what sin had done. God saw what sin had done to his son. Can you imagine? He knew no sin and he bare the sin of all the world upon himself. And God the Father had to look down at his spotless son, the Lamb of God, and see that atrocious, that atrocity on his shoulders. How could you not look away? Church, he turned away in complete revulsion at the ugliness of sin. But God allowed all of that, all of this to happen because of one thing. And that's his love for us. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you realize exactly how much evidence you are dismissing when you push God's love away from your life? 
Jesus would have died the very same death if it would only have been you and you alone. His love for you is that deep. On this Resurrection Sunday, do you know my Jesus? He changed my life. I am not who I used to be. Praise God. I am a resurrected believer in Jesus Christ. The only evidence I need is to see what he's done in my life. Do you know my Jesus? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, as we come to you during this time of invitation, Lord, we all thank you for what you've done. But Lord, we pray that you will be with that one who hasn't made a decision for you right now. God, I pray that your spirit would move upon them right now and you would help them to see themselves as you see them. A sinner in need of a Savior. God, it doesn't matter whether we're watching on live stream or whether they're here in the sanctuary with us this morning. If you're watching and with us right now, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, all you have to do is pray this prayer. Pray it with me right now. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. God, I believe that you raised your Son from the dead. According to Scripture, I know I have to live my life for you. I need to live my life for you. God, help me this day to believe in you fully. And use me for the rest of my life to serve you. Now with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning according to Scripture, according to Romans 10.9, Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, Scripture says, not me, not the Baptist Presbyterian Church of God, Scripture says you shall be saved. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, just like Jesus is resurrected and he rose from the dead, one day you shall too. As the music plays, I want to ask again, do you know my Jesus? Do you want to know my Jesus? I'm going to be standing down front this morning. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, will you come? I'll show you what Scripture says every person and this world must do to be born again, to have eternal life. Will you come? As the music plays, will you come?